We are continuing our series today called The Everyday Church. This is really a continuation from Vision Day and I encourage you to go back. If you not watched the Vision Day message, you need to go back and you need to watch that to kind of see where we are headed as a church. We've been talking about this idea of moving from uh, the Sunday church to becoming the everyday church. Our, our word for this year is the word engage. It's time to engage. So right now in your neighborhood gathering, whoever's there with you, turn to them and tell them it's time to engage. It's time to engage. And on Vision Day, we talked about kind of where we are shifting and, and where we are headed as a church and we, how we're going to be following the ministry and the life of Jesus and just doing what Jesus did. We talked about this idea of engaging with one, engaging with three, engaging with 12, and engaging with one another. And again, if you're like, that makes no sense to me, you got to go back and you got to watch the Vision Day message and it will become crystal clear and it will make perfect sense to you. But what we're talking about over these next eight weeks are these eight practices. There are eight core practices that move us from passive observers to passionate followers. That is what moving from the Sunday church to the everyday church is all about, going from passive to passionate. So we're talking about these eight practices. The last two weeks, we've been talking about engaging with one. We talked about the core practice of daily devotions. And then last week, we talked about the core practice of sacrificial serving. So today, we're going to move to engaging with three. What does it look like to engage with three? What, what did Jesus do? And so we're going to follow that. And today, we're going to talk about this practice of continual surrender, continual surrender. In fact, if you are not a follower of Jesus, maybe a friend invited you to your neighborhood gathering, you're sitting in that neighborhood gathering, or they invited you to watch online, uh, what I want you to know is this is the best day that you could be here because you're going to hear what it really means to follow Jesus. Because I think many times we, we think we're following when really we're not following so we're going to talk about that. So if you've got a Bible, let's go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, if you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to download version. That's a great app. Uh, and Matthew, if you're new to the scriptures, Matthew was one of the disciples of Jesus. He was a, a, a tax collector, and Jesus called him out to follow him, and he followed Jesus for three years and then gave his life ultimately as a sacrifice for Jesus. But he was one of the apostles, and so he wrote down from his vantage point, from his viewpoint, these stories of Jesus. And I love the scripture we're going to look at today. A few verses in Matthew chapter 16. We're going to go to verse 24. I like these verses because these verses are really big in the Lent season. When you hear these verses, this is really what Lent is all about and what it really means to live a life of continual surrender. So look look at Matthew 16. I read out of the New Living Translation. So if you're in you version, you want to look there at the New Living says in verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, here we go. You're not a follower of Jesus? Here we go. This is what it is. You must give up your own way. You got to take up your cross. You got to follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Let's pray. God, thank you for the moments that we have wherever we are gathered, across the city, across this state, even in other parts of the country right now, in neighborhood gatherings and friends and family gathered together. And I know there's a lot of distractions, so 
we need your help, God. This is not ideal. We understand that, but we know this is where we're at, and this is what we got to do. So we're going to press through, and we're going to trust you to help us. Would you speak to us today in Jesus' name and at every one of your gatherings? Will you give me a big amen? Amen. Well, I have a love-hate relationship with social media. I, I love it, but I hate it. Is anybody else like that? Like, I think it's the greatest thing ever, but there's so many things about it I don't like. For instance, I love that I can get on there and I can see pictures. And I'm, I'm a big Instagram person, by the way. That's, that's kind of my go-to. I love going on Instagram because I can look and I can see pictures of, of my friends and even my family. I, I, I see like during the ice storm, I saw some kids building a snow fort. I was like, that is so cool. But I love it. But there's things that I also hate because it's like, like, do we really need to see another picture of food? Like, stop posting your food. Like, this is like five years ago. People are still like, I, there's 10 seconds of my life I'm not going to get back. Why, why are we still posting food? And the, the crazy thing is, is when I, when I watch and when I, when I get on there, people will say this to me, like, hey, did you see my post? And I got to be honest, and you know that you probably do this too. I'm posting more than I'm looking. I mean, I'm, I, I'm so guilty of just posting something and I don't ever look at anybody, anything that's going on. But I have people who say, hey, did you see my, no, I I didn't see it, and plus, I don't have that kind of time. You think through the number of followers you have, how much time would you be spending every day just scrolling endlessly at these different photos and different updates? And who are these people, by the way, that can post every hour on the hour? Where are you finding this kind of time? Are you, are you getting paid? Are they getting paid per post? Like, I get on Insta Story. That's kind of my go-to if you're not on Instagram, that won't make any sense. But if you're on Instagram, you know, Insta Story, you go on there, and it has these long dashes for all the pictures that are up there. And so you look at it, you go, okay, cool, they got like three images, I'll check that out. But there's some people that will post so much that it's not a dash, it's a dot. I don't have that kind of time. You don't have that kind of time. I, who has that kind of time? It's, it's a love-hate relationship that I, I have. And one of the things I discovered about social media that I didn't know is people will follow you just so you will follow them back. What? Because it's, let's just be honest, it's all about how many followers do you have. And in full integrity... And being very honest and upfront, I had up until this week, I had no idea how many Instagram followers I have. No clue. Because I'm not a, I'm gonna follow you, you follow me. I only follow close friends, I only follow family. And if I don't follow you, now you're offended and you're probably gonna go somewhere. But I just I just only follow a few people. But because of that, I guess I don't have very many. And I looked this week, I looked to see how many followers I have, and I was so disappointed. 399, one short of 400. Like, who is keeping me from getting to 400? I need somebody right now to take out their phone and go to Instagram and follow me. Come on, get me over 400. Get me over the hump. Oh, and by the way, I'm not going to follow you back. That's okay. But, uh, and uh, listen, I need your help because I am right on the heels of Stephen Furtick. I mean, he's got 3.2 million followers. So I think if I could just get a couple more, maybe I'll get close. But it, it, it's so hard. Social media, I love it. I, 
I, I hate it, but I, I tell you what I really don't like is, I really frustrates me is, it's really uh, a false sense of relationship. It's not really, like you, you see somebody's post, you see their pictures, and it gives you this false sense that you're in a relationship with them. But <laughs> you, if you're honest, you probably haven't seen most of those people in months, if not maybe even years, but you have this sense that somehow like maybe I'm, I'm in relationship with them. So Jesus here, Jesus, when he's talking to his followers in Matthew 16, he says to follow him looks completely different. Like it's not about, hey, click follow. And so I, I prayed, hey, pray this prayer, and then you're, you're good, you're in. It's, it's not about going on and occasionally checking his status, looking through his newsfeed and, and zipping by it real quick. Like, you know, I'll just kind of check in on a Sunday. You know, when, when I have the time, when I have the availability, I'll just kind of see what's, what's happening in, in that world. Or maybe I'll catch a verse of the day and I'll jump in on the newsfeed and I'll, 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 I'll post something to, to, I'll give him a quick prayer. I'll, I'll serve when I can. I'll, I'll give when I can. This is not the kind of followers that Jesus is looking for. In fact, I, I would say to you that I believe that's a false sense of relationship. It's a false sense of following. And what it creates is passive followers and not passionate followers. And what Jesus is looking for is passionate followers, not passive observers. So in Matthew chapter 16, let's go there. Matthew 16, Jesus tells us what it really means to follow. And he says that it is a life of continual surrender. Look again at verse 24. It says, if you want to be my follower, say it with me, you must give up your own way. I think giving up your own way is never more evident than when you're trying to find something to watch on Netflix with family or friends. Come on, somebody. High five somebody in your neighborhood gathering right now. Is that not true? I will. We will spend more time trying to come together on finding something to watch than actually watching something. Like Laura and I, our, our tastes could not be further apart than they are. Example A, this is a screenshot of a recent suggestion from Hulu on what we should watch. Terminator or a puppy for Christmas. <laughs> that, that was the suggestion. It gives you an idea of my marriage. Yeah, and I was so frustrated. So I was like, Laura, come on, they're puppies, they're cute, let's watch them. And she's like, no, I'm all in on Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay, whatever, whatever. Listen, the, the world says this, you can do it your way. You do not have to give up your way. Do it the way you want to do it. Like, you get to decide. No one tells you what to do. It's your life. It's your body. It's your determination. You don't have to answer to anyone. I like what pastor and author Mark Sayers, he's a guy I, I follow, and I love what he says in one of his books. He says this, we want the kingdom without the king. We want the kingdom without the king. Here's the thing, a kingdom without a king leads to nothing but chaos and confusion. And isn't that what we see in our world right now? Chaos, confusion, injustice, greed, narcissistic society, um, violence, hatred, uh, injustice, uh, I mean, on and on and on and on, depression, loneliness, 
abuse, addiction. I mean, I could just keep going on that. And Jesus says this, among his followers, it's got to be different. You've got to give up your way. Turn to somebody and tell them, you got to give up your way. You got to give up your way. Why? Because we are his image bearers to the world. You and I, we, we have the answer to the chaos and the confusion. But let's just be honest. So often in the church, we don't look a whole lot different than the world because the truth is we in the church want the kingdom without the king. I, I want the blessings. I, I, I want the answer to prayer. I want the favor of God. But, I mean, don't, don't just please don't ask a whole lot of me. And Jesus says, among my followers, it's got to be different. Write this down. Giving up your way requires continual surrender to God's way every day. Giving up your way requires continual surrender to God's way every day. Now, I know when I say that, a lot of you are like, oh, yes, preach it, hallelujah, glory to God, yes, uh, the Lord is good, oh, favor, that's the, thank you, Jesus. And I know you're all in on that. I know you're like, wow, I sing the song about it, I, I love it, but hang on. But before you say yes, consider the cost. I'm just going to give you four quick things for you to consider when it comes to giving up your way. Here, here's four things. Write these down, because I think this is going to, you're going to be like, oh, okay, time, Talent, treasure, and tendencies. You say those again, time, talent, treasure, and tendencies. Jesus says you gotta give up your time. Like this is what you're doing, by the way, right now. Way to go, high five somebody in your neighborhood gathering. You are giving up your time. You're doing the right thing. You're giving up your own way. Like when you say, I'm going to get up early, I'm going to read the word, or I'm going to stay up late, I'm going to read the word. On my lunch hour, I'm going to get away from everybody, I'm going to read the word, I'm going to pray. You are saying, I'm going to give up my way. But so often we say what? I'm busy. But as a follower of Jesus, we never are too busy for the things of God. We always stop and help. We always are willing to serve, even if it's inconvenient, even if it doesn't work for me. How about your talent, your dreams? Everybody's got dreams. What you wanna do, like God has gifted you, there's things in you that you enjoy that you wanna do with your life and Jesus says you gotta surrender those to me every day. It can't be about building your kingdom. It can't be about, man, I'm, I'm gonna build this platform. I'm gonna do this for me. I'm gonna get so many followers for me. And Jesus says, no, 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 give up your talent, give up your, your, that to me. Like am I willing to chase the dreams that God has given to me? How about your treasure? Oh, now I am preaching up in here, talking about money. There goes the preacher talking about money. But are you willing to give up your own way? Are you willing to sacrificially give of your resources to the kingdom of God so that others might know Christ? Or are you gonna hold on to, well, I would if I could, and no, 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 no. You got it. Listen, you can't get it until you give it. Oh, that's good. You, oh, that is good. You need to write that down. You can't get it until you give it. What do I mean by that? If you hold on to it and you say, I don't have it, I can't give it, I don't know, God's never going to give it to you because he knows you're always going to hold on to it. 
But if you will give it, he says, oh, I'm looking for the people who are giving, who are making a difference, who are willing to give of their resources, and I'm going to give them more. I'm going to give them more. And the moment you start holding on to it, God says, okay, I'm going to find somebody else to give that to because he wants to bless people in this world and he uses us to do that. The other one is tendencies. Tendencies are never good. Like you never use the phrase, well, he has a tendency to, she has a tendency to, it's never a a positive affirmation that comes after that. But we all have tendencies, we all have habits, we all have behaviors, things that do not glorify God. Are you willing to give those up? You gotta give up your own way. Turn to somebody and tell them, give up your way. Give up your way. Go back to verse 24, because Jesus says this, if any of you wants to be my follower, say it with me, you gotta take up your cross. You gotta take up your cross. In any time we encounter pain or, or problems, our impulse is to pull back, okay? Because I don't want that. Like right now during the winter season, static electricity, like you don't wanna touch another human being right now, do you? I mean, I lean over to kiss Laura and Bam, that electrical shock. I'm like, whoa, girl, we still got some electricity flowing after 37 years. You are amazing. Woo! But what happens the next time? Next time I lean in for the kiss, she's like pulling back, and I'm really hoping it's because of the static electricity and not something else that's going on in our relationship. But what happens? You don't want the pain, so you pull back. And this happens when it comes to the cross that we are carrying. Jesus says this when you encounter pain and suffering, you got to take up your cross. Like, don't pull back, he says. you got to press through. But when we encounter pain and suffering so many times, we want to toss the cross aside. Like, I did not sign up for this. This is not what I asked for. When I followed Jesus, I thought I was going to get the blessings. I thought I was going to get the favor. I, didn't, I thought all my pain and my problems and my trials were going to be done. I'm not carrying this cross. I like what the writer of Hebrews says to us. He really helps us to reframe our struggles in light of the cross of Christ. Hebrews chapter 12, look, look what it says here. It says, let us run with, say it with me, what? Endurance. Endurance. Turn to somebody and tell them you got to press through the pain. Press through the pain. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on who? On who? On who? On Jesus. On Jesus. Not not the pain, not not the problem. I'm not going to sit around and just talk about it. I'm not going to rehearse the pain and the problem over and over in my mind. That's that's what we all do. But no, I'm going to cut that off. I'm going to get it out. And instead, I'm going to focus on Jesus. Why? Because he's the champion. I love how it says that. He is the champion, the undefeated, undisputed champion of the world. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, what that means is on the other side of your cross is gonna be some joy. It doesn't feel like it, but I'm telling you, joy is coming. Turn to somebody and tell them, joy is on the other side of your cross. Joy is on the other side of your cross. I'll say this with me, what does it say? He endured the cross. One more time, he endured the cross disregarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. That's the joy that was awaiting him. Think of all the hostility that he endured from sinful people. Here it is. Let's say this together wherever you are. 
then you won't become weary and give up. The cross is not a symbol of defeat. The cross is a symbol of victory. It's a symbol of victory. Write this down. On the other side of your cross is a resurrection. On the other side of every cross is a resurrection. In other words, your cross is going to be a testimony of Christ's victory. That's why he says in Hebrews, endure the cross. Endure it. Because as you take up your cross and you endure through the pain and through the suffering, the power of Christ shines through you. It becomes a symbol of victory to the world. You've got to endure the cross. Take up your cross. Okay, go back to verse 24, because Jesus says this, if any of you wants to be my follower, you got to follow what? Follow me. Follow me. Jesus says you got to follow me. During this pandemic, I was trying to find some uh, hand sanitizer, some, uh, some of the little bottles, you know, the little ones, because I wanted one in my, in my truck. And I was at the store, and I, of course, couldn't, couldn't find any. And so I was asking one of the employees, hey, do you guys have any hand sanitizer? And this one guy overhears me. God bless him for trying. He was like, hey, I heard you. Hey, you need some hand sanitizer? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, yeah. Hey, on the, on the other side of town at Big Lots, they got a truckload of it. I am not, I just need a little bottle. I'm not driving across town to go all the way to Big Lots. So then the lady at the store, she says, here come with me. I'm like, great, thank you, ma'am. And she takes me over to this aisle, and she goes, here they are right here. And I look, and the little bottle of hand sanitizers are Disney frozen, and they're all glitter. I'm thinking, who do I look like? Do I look like a glitter kind of guy? And she's like, well, here they are. She walks up, and I'm like, well, I guess I do. I want Elsa, or do, you know, who do I want? I mean, and I'm like, I'm not doing this. And I I walked over two more aisles, and they had exactly what I was looking for. If you follow the wrong voices, you are going to end up in the wrong places. Write this down. Who I follow shapes my future. Who I follow shapes my future. You need the right voices in your life. Do you have the right voices in your life? Jesus when we talk about engaging with three, he gave us the greatest example of this. He had his 12 disciples, but he also had three. He had Peter, James, and John. And these guys went on to do life together, supporting one another, encouraging one another, helping one another. Do you have a Peter, James, and John in your life? Come on, turn to somebody and ask them, do you have a Peter, James, and John in your life? So the very next chapter in Matthew chapter 17 we see an example of Jesus with Peter, James, and John. It says six days later. So this is six days after Jesus says, you gotta give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. This is six days after that event. He took Peter and, and the two brothers, James and John, and he, say this with me, he what? Led them. He led them up a high mountain to be alone. 
Peter, James, and John, their entire life was marked by being led by Jesus. You want to talk about giving up your own way. These men were fishermen. They gave up their living. They dropped their nets, and they said, wherever you're going, we are going. You want my time? You want my talent? You want my treasure? What You want my tendencies? Peter had some pretty bad tendencies in his life, and he, he messed up, but God forgave him and, and got that tendency out of his life and used him for the good of all and used it for for his glory, do, do you, listen, they, they were kind of the, the kind of guys who gave up their own way. Man, you talk about taking up your cross. Like Peter was eventually and ultimately hung on an upside down cross. James, James was beheaded, lost it all. all the, you talk about persecution and losing everything and persevering through difficult times, jailings and beatings and losing possessions. These men said, no, I, I will endure my cross because you know why? Right now, all three of those guys, they are sitting with Jesus. Great is their joy and their reward. You want to talk about following, this is their entire life. That's all they did was follow Jesus. You need a Peter, James, and John. You need these kinds of friends in your life. So do you have friends? Think about your friends. Do you have friends that give up their own way? Examine them. Just think through. This week, just watch your friendships. Do you have people that, that are giving up their time? Or are they always too busy? Are they giving up their talent? Are they chasing after their own, their own desires? Or are they chasing hard after the dreams and the plans and the purposes of God? I mean, when it comes to treasure, do you see them giving up for others? Do you see them serving others? Do you see them sacrificially giving up their resources for the kingdom of God? Do you have friends, and you know every friend's got these tendencies, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you know your friend's tendencies. Like, oh man, yeah, that's what he, she does it, he does this, all that. But have you ever noticed the kind of friend you want is the kind of friend who says, I don't like that in me, and they seek to change. And you've watched over the years as those tendencies have actually been shaped into the image of Christ. Like, do you have friends who have given up their own way? Do, do you have friends who take up their cross? When your friends are facing pain and persecution and problems and struggles in their life, do they just toss the cross aside? Or are they, they the kind of people in their lives that they say, no, I will endure the cross because I know on the other side of the cross is a victory. Do you have friends who have a cross that they're carrying and they say it's hard and it's difficult and you're walking with them but they have hope and they have faith and they believe on the other side of that is going to be a resurrection and God is going to use it ultimately as a symbol of his victory. You need friends who will take up their cross. Do you have friends who are following after Jesus? Do you have friends who are listening to the voice of God? What I mean, do you have friends that are in the house of God? Are your friends in the house or are they tend to be somewhere else? Do you have friends who are in the word, like they know the word, they speak the word, they talk the word? Do you have friends who pray, they pray, they pray for you, they pray with you, they pray around you? I mean, do you have these kinds of friends? These are the kind of people we need in our lives because God wants to move you from a passive observer to a passionate follower. And what that requires is every day continual surrender. Every day giving up your own way, every day taking up your cross, and every day following him.